0: Shobindo declared long back that in a spiritualized society, the masses will not become a shadowy figure behind few great spiritual giants. It won't be like that. Because now there is a general awakening, and spirituality is entering into the fabric of Indian life in, in life of the world. So it won't be like that that the standard way in which we see sometimes people ask, because this, this is a change, it's a new age in which it has to become more and more natural. Still sometimes it's good to look back and uh, see how these figures of the past have traversed their journey. Now we know that in Indian tradition, uh, Vedas are of course unique, um, where they tried at least to improve earthly life, but later on the goal became, the utmost goal conceived was... Freedom from ignorance. That's what moksha means. Unfortunately, today it has become freedom from cycle of life and death. So, that freedom from ignorance was a fundamental necessity. And people went to masters and masters guided them. What about the masses? Well, till you found a master or even after that, even without that, you had the gods. So, there were so many gods who would lead you to the same point. So, Shibindu says that in the synthesis, the Ishta Devata. Or, the human magnet, so all these were various means uh, given to man to evolve. One such person, which I found very interesting in sherbinndo 's uh, yoga context who who had his closeness to the gods, who was an adept in the classical traditional yoga, had at least two masters before coming to Sherbinndo, and then went on to be a wonderful yogi in in own. Integral Yoga is Kapali Shastri. So I thought today is his birthday, and we should read a little bit about his life because it's an amazing and inspiring life. He was born, of course, third September in 1886, and from the age of eight, he was his father was a Sanskrit scholar, so he picked up from you know the soul takes birth probably in that environment, and from eight years of age, he used to recite the Ramayana he had memorized, and he would read it over and over again. And it is said that twelve times he had read the Ramayana. And he had done twelve times. Um, every day he used to do the job of Lalita Sehisranam. One thousand and eight times. So all this Mantra Japa he was doing. But at the age of twenty, he had still not arrived at anything which can be called as a definitive experience. And at that point of time, uh, his uh, first guru, Kavig. Kant Ganpati Muni, he saw him in one of the temples, and he picked it, picked him up, hand picked, and took him along with him. Now, Kavikant Ganpati Muni is a very interesting uh, person, you know. He he's, he was himself a you know scholar in Sanskrit, uh, Tamil, Telugu, and English, and of course, uh, uh, he was called Kavikant because he had spontaneous outbursts of poetry. It is said that when he was a child, then. He had experienced the Divine Mother come and put a drop of honey on his tongue. And so he could spontaneously come out with such poetry. And he is the one who actually recognized Raman Maharshi, who used to be known as Brahmanaswami. And when he saw him, he gave him the name Ramana, Bhagwan Sri Ramana. That is how the Bhagwan Raman Maharshi, his whole thing started. Because he recognized him that he is not just a normal yogi, but a siddha of a very high order. And Sri Ramana used to call him Naina. Naina actually means father or even you can call a younger uh, child as you know with a with, uh, lot of love and affection. That kind of love and affection he had. And um, Vashis Kanpati Muni came to ashram in a very strange way. Um, the mother... Knowing about him, because he had translated it seems three paragraphs of the mother into Sanskrit, and when this was shown to Shorbindo, Shorbindo said, Very beautiful, very beautiful. And he's supposed to have remarked, There is no authenticity of this remark, but it's quite possible, and I'll tell you why it is possible that it is better than the original. Original is in English, this was Sanskrit, possibly the Sanskrit language, and of course, knowing who he was. So, the mother sent a message to him that if he wants, he can come for the darshan on 15th August 1928. Now, this is unusual. So, he had his allegiance to Sri Raman Maharshi, and he asked him, what should I do? He said, this is Devi Prerna. It's Devi Adesh, you must go. So, he came and 15 days he stayed here. His first darshan of Mother and Shurabindo, he noted, Deviya Murthulu, Divine Personalities. And next day he had a meditation with the mother. He had regularly half an hour of meetings and meditation with the mother. And mother remarked after meditation that first time I have found somebody who could follow me right from the moment of meditation till the end. Most people cannot do it beyond three minutes to five minutes. Right up to the Brahman consciousness from the beginning till the end he was with the mother And then she came back and he came back. So, this was her remark. She was very pleased, very happy on meeting him. And when he was asked, what is your impression? In fact, he told to the mother. He said, mother, uh, I have an intuition that you are Sakambari and I am Ganpati. Now, Ganpati, Lord Ganesha's emanation, which obviously he can write so beautifully (laughs) And you are Shakambri. Now, Shakambri is one of the forms of uh, Mother Parvati who slayed the demon Durga who had created famine on earth and um, Shakambri then eventually appeared and she cried and cried. She's the mother of compassion. We will see a description in um, Shobindo Savitri, the Madonna, the mother of grief divine, the Madonna of suffering. And she cried and cried and all the rivers again got full and you know, then he gave things to eat. So, the word Shaka Hari comes from Shakambri. <laughs> <He> just, <laughs> by the way, because um, Shakahari comes from that. Because she gave uh, nice um, vegetables and fruits for mankind to take. And they are regarded as gifts of Mother Parvati. So he said that uh, you are um, Shakambri and I am Ganpati. So I am your son. So Mother said it's not an intuition. More than that, it's a divine revelation. She was hinting that she has revealed it to him. So he was very happy and Shura said that I was looking for such an instrument. But see the strange irony. But he had deep attachment, such beautiful experiences. But he had deep attachment to Sri Raman Maharshi. And also he was deeply involved with, the, he had a patriotic fervor and he was using all spiritual means for India to get freedom. So he couldn't renounce that. It was, imagine, he has got an invitation from Shivindho to come for darshan, and Shivindho has made such a remark, and he has said that, well, I was looking for such an instrument, but he couldn't be. So perhaps that's why we see in Shivindho's letter at one place when Nirodha asks him, it would have been better had your disciples been someone like Swami Vivekananda. We are such So, Sri says, as to to the disciples, I agree. (laughs) But then he says, but who knows if someone like Swami Vivekananda would agree to take up this yoga. They are great, realized. But that becomes a bar. Because you have to leave all that. That is a big challenge. You have to renounce everything, come back to the ordinary level and start. Because it is a very different kind of yoga. He says, who knows if Men like him would agree. And then he says, and if they took up the yoga, this yoga, the ordinary humanity in them will not show up. Because there is such a tremendous pressure. And another thing which he remarked, Kavekant Ganpati Muni, that normally up till then, he used to experience, which is the standard kundalini experience of, you know, above the head, the current rising up. But when he was in, in presence of the mother, all around, from all sides, everywhere... That current was pressing upon him. So he actually experienced the presence of the Shakti and that's how the mother's force works. It's not here, there, with this center, everything. Sri said that. That It's not just an opening of the centers classically, but all over, it envelops, penetrates everything, every part of the being and body. So he could sense that. But that was destiny. Nevertheless, his disciple, um, uh, Kapali Shastri, he took him to Sri Raman Maharshi because he had uh, still not satisfied with his questions. So he went there and he was not keen to go because he didn't want to renounce life the way it is understood traditionally. Nevertheless, he went there. He never became a disciple that way or an inmate of Sri Raman Maharshi's ashram. He used to come and go and meet him. And Sri Raman Maharshi was also very fond of him. He would, call, he would also call him Chinna nena Younger <laughs> child. So this was Naina and Chinna Naina and he grew up there studying from him. Uh, from Sri Raman Maharshi, he developed faith and um, a deeper insight into spiritual things. But not satisfied, in 1914 he came across the Arya. And that's when his life began to change. Because he was plagued with this idea of what is matter, why it cannot change, all these things. What is its destiny? What is the destiny of earth? And he naturally, very naturally, went on into Siorbindo. And uh, his first meeting was 1970, 1917 when he wanted to meet Siorbindo. He came all the way and met uh, Subramanyam Bharti. And he describes that meeting very beautifully. Subramanyam Bharti, we know that he died very young, very frail health, probably all kinds, many kinds of diseases had come into his body and when he went to meet him, he was looking very frail and pale, hardly any strength in him but what was he doing? He was singing a song, victory in this life, the victory will come, oh flame hidden in the heart cave. He was so surprised that here is a man who is apparently on the edges and yet he is so full of that force, he used to call himself Shakti Kumar. (laughs) <laughs> our <laughs> uh, Supramanyam Bharti so he said he told him that I want to meet Shirobindo so he said nowadays he doesn't meet anyone freely even I go very rarely to him but I'll try and he sent a letter through Nagaswami who used to attend Shirobindo and uh, he took him to Shurbindo's house and said ok I'll take the letter and come so he went within a minute he came back and he said Shurbindo has said 6pm he can come and meet me today now came the, what he describes as the pariksha, the <laughs> pariksha. Because 6 p.m. he also had a talk on Vedas in Pondicherry. He had come all the way for that also. So he says, uh, he says it was like a purva pariksha. Before you are entering, you are being tested. So he um, he said anyways, first priority is first priority. So he sent the organizers that I have to meet Shurabindo. You people can postpone or delay or whatever. So they delayed the whole thing and he met Sri Aurobindo. And he describes how in the guest house, the long room, and in the middle there was one table and two chairs. That is the whole room. And as he enters, on the other side, he sees Sri Aurobindo standing there. And Sri Aurobindo is walking towards him and he is walking towards Sri Aurobindo and he says his whole body began to vibrate with intense vibrations from top to toe and toe to head, top to head to toe, toe to head. And it was vibrating and pulsating so strongly that he just felt he can't bear it. So after a few minutes, uh, five to seven minutes, it began to go in the background. But he says, it never really left me. And every time he saw Shurvindu, it would become active again. (laughs) And he describes that my body and nerves can't bear it. Probably that's the reason. Actually, he left his body at sixty-seven. Uh, in 1953 at 67 years of age, won't have been able to bear this intensity of the flame. It is said that Kapali Shastriji would meditate so much concentrated in the heart center that his heart right in the middle of the chest, there was almost a red mark, that degree of concentration he used to have. So he saw Sri he had brought a lemon fruit and (laughs) wished him in Sanskrit with the lemon fruit. And Sri asked, Does he know any other language other than Sanskrit? (laughs) He said, yes, yes, he knows English. Then they had some conversation. Shabindu gave him some instructions. He went back. Then preparation, 1923, he came again. So, to his credit, many things. One of them is that, um, you know, we have the mother as the beej mantra and we know the first four chapters were written at the query of someone. This fifth chapter, the last chapter, the sixth chapter, uh, the four aspects. Actually, Kapali Shastriji had asked who is the mother and all about this four aspects. And Shurbindu revealed to him in a letter. So it's a separate letter which has become part of what is now the mother. But it was a letter written to him. Who is the mother? And he took it that yes, because he was having his own revelations, and then There was another work which Shirobindo wanted to do, which he couldn't do because of many other engagements and number of works at many levels. One of them was Rigbed Bhashya. So Shirobindo had started, but he never really went uh, fully into it. There are a number of hymns he has translated, we know that. Uh, He has given the key. So based on that key, um, Kapali Shastriji has written a wonderful book called Siddhanjana. It is the only book which takes up the first eight mandalas of rigveda and 121 shuktas all of them he has translated based on shurbindo's key to the vedas so it's an amazing work which the vedic scholars highly value of course uh, those not much open to that may not know about it and like that he he wrote many kinds of works but the most um, beautiful thing when Mother would walk on the terrace sometimes. Kapali Shastriji whose house was right across. He would come out and watch her. So Mother Pandiji, who was also brought up uh, under his guidance, asked him, what do you see? He says, what do I see? I see a column of white light moving up and down. And that's how the Divine Mother is described. Say, I see a column of white light moving up and down. So one day he asked him that... Um, uh, Kapali Shastriji, you have done so many kinds of sadhana, mantra sadhana. He was an adept. Sri Vidya, Lalita Sahasranam, Uma Sahasranam, which uh, his mentor, Kavya Ganpati Muni had, Ganpati Muni had uh, composed. All these kinds of sadhana he had done. Tantra sadhana, mantra sadhana, Vedanta and many other things. So, he asked, what, what, what did you get from these sadhanas? So, he said... What did I get? It brought me to the feet of the Divine Mother. That was the kind of, you know, he he knew where he is, in front of whom he stands. After all these sadhanas, it has brought me to the feet of the Divine Mother. So I thought we'll just read some of his uh, very interesting observations, revelations and... Uh, um, of course, he has composed a number of Sanskrit hymns in glory of Sri Aurobindo and the Mother. Hundred uh, hymns for Sri Aurobindo and Sri Aurobindo and the Mother. Some of them are legion and very well-known Virajatemi Rambika. Sometimes we hear also on uh, on with sunilda 's music, amazing ones. So this, uh, some of them I have picked up from a beautiful book now, not available. I have no clue why some of the most beautiful books are not available. (laughs) But thankfully, thanks to internet, some people who have been wise enough, it is available on the net, soft copy. Those who are interested can ask it from me by email and I'll send it. Because otherwise it's not available in in Shabda. So this book is some of those things which he describes, some of his experiences with the Divine Mother. He saw her as the moving column of white light which always recalled to him the scumb hymned by the Ved, ancient Vedic rishis, the cosmic pillar, the spinal column of the universe, the skamba in which all is rooted. Skamba sarvam pratishthanam. This skamba that upholds dadhara that enters into and possesses all this universe. So this is how he experienced her. And then, what is he to say? After all these sadhanas, somebody supposing went to him and said, Kapali Shastriji tell us some hints. What practices shall I do? What kind of meditation is ideal? Uh, what do you think I must do to practice this yoga of Shirobindo? Here are His pulse of wisdom. The mother, oh, she is more than a miracle. The divine conscious force has chosen a human body and personality. One's devotion and faith increases in depth and sincerity by a mere repetition of the name. Now, you know, people can't believe it. That's the problem. We want some technique, some tangible method, some course maybe, some 3 day or 7 day course, maybe we shell some money, then we will believe, yes, this is the process. Here is TV Kapali Shastri himself directly saying that take the mother's name, repeat her name, it will increase the depth and intensity of faith and devotion. The mother is the living symbol of the supreme Shakti. Under suitable conditions, even the physical eye can see the column of light above her, overhead. And this is different from the aura, snow white in colour, which emanates from her person. Uh, of course, Madam Teo had also seen that, the crown with twelve pearls. And after Shri physical withdrawal, one of the correspondents asked him, What do you think? Uh, what will happen? What is the future of the ashram? After the passing of Sri he kept quiet for half a minute. Passing, passing, what are you saying passing? Who has passed and where? So he didn't understand. He said, Sri is here, very much here. You can't see him, <laughs> it's your problem. He did say this. <laughs> it's your problem. He says, he's very much here. All his guidance and everything is available. So then he said, no, no, okay, but you know, but what about in a tangible form? He said, tangible. Form the mother is here. The same thing could be, of course, said. He said, You people make a distinction between mother and Shurbindo, and this is a big fallacy. There is no difference between mother and Shurbindo. And then he gave him quite a good uh, that as long as there is anyone with a little faith, the ashram will continue to have its role. Nalini also writes that. He says, Because it's a. It's a at one place, Shurbindo says, What is the ashram? Uh, the ashram is his body which has extended. And Kapali Shastriji says something very similar. He says, uh, Shubindu is not an ordinary kind of guru who gives a teaching. He says, when he um, accepts you, actually he extends and makes you his own. So, whatever is happening in you, gets reflected into his body. He takes upon you all his karmas. And whatever is happening in him, gets into you. So, it's a two-way process, where his prashad we receive... And our defects, faults, he takes it. The original transaction we have in the Ramayana between Rama and Kewat, that I can only take you across this river. I am doing it. You take me across Bhavsagar. Or how Dhyuman Bhai told once mother, or rather mother once told him. No, Dhyuman Bhai told mother, Mother, I am doing your work, all this outer work. You do my work. (laughs) And mother said, yes, of course. (laughs) <laughs> that is what I am here for. This is the kind of relation that uh, he had revealed to him. Then he further says, Believe me that my faith and devotion are not ideal and complete. You know, it requires tremendous humility and one of the sign of spiritual people is truly authentic. Is they become more and more humble because they discover the infinite before them. Before you actually have the spiritual consciousness, there is Pride. Oh, I am doing this sadhana, I know this, I am a yogi, all this. But, you know, in front of mother you become a child. (laughs) That's when the real thing starts. So he says, believe me that my faith and devotion are not ideal and complete. Still, the very name mother has done me a lot which it would be impossible for many births to achieve. He's not uh, somebody who will exaggerate. He's saying that The very name, word mother has done, what many births I wouldn't have achieved. And he knew it. Twelve years of sadhana, mantra sadhana, one thousand eight times every day. Oma sahasrana, multiply into 365 into 12. And he says, what just the name mother has done? I mean, we can't imagine what a tremendous privilege. It would be impossible for many births to achieve. The very name mother has done me a lot, which is, it would be impossible. Every week is opening fresh vistas. I have known of no yoga. And now he is saying it means something, because it's not knowledge is not intellectual knowledge. Actually a tantric and a mantric and a Vedantin, like his mentor, he had learned all these things from him. So he is saying, I have known of no yoga which lifts in a trice the human creature from the mire to the higher altitudes of the divine mother. In a trice. But what was the sadhana? What is tapasya? I have only one thought and that is the mother. You know, it's very interesting because when Ganpati Dashi Raman Maharshi, what is tapasya? After all his readings and penances, he didn't understand what is tapasya. So he asked him what is tapasya and he was most satisfied with his definition. That's when he fell at his feet and said, you are my master. What was the definition he gave? Sri Ramana told him, Contemplate on the source of I and that is tapasya. <laughs> you know, we have heard of tapasya as something external. Something like, you know, you renounce something outwardly, you... Uh, you know, so much show and fanfare. He said, contemplate. That is tapasya. Second, he said, you are doing mantra sadhana, go to the source of the mantra and its sound. That is tapasya. (laughs) So he said, I had never heard this. And he fell at his feet and said, you make me your own. He was one of the first disciples. And look at what he is saying. He is saying, I have only one thought and that is the Mother. So if somebody asks him, What is tapasya? He would say, Think of the mother. Now you know it's so simple it can be. This source of strength in me is a presence quite distinct from the outer personality. And that is the mother who is her individual, who in her individual being and in the very physical body harbors the divine souls and cosmic Godheads, incorporates the cosmic consciousness carries with her the supreme eternal divine and allows to flow from her the peace that passeth all understanding the power that builds the cosmos the light that is the source of all knowledge and the soul of all things and the ananda that is the rasa the very essence of all existences so he's seeing her individually universally Transcendentally, all Godheads within her, and then he says, She is the one who passes on to us peace, light, Ananda, everything. And this one is very inspiring and powerful. The whole body must be made up of the heart and become the heart itself. You know, people talk of devotion in so sometimes uh, so casually. Don't realize what is meant by bhakta. You know, people still feel spiritual life means some miracle, something you will do, like that dazzling. And, but there is another kind of spiritual consciousness where you discover the oneness and it cannot be discovered by the ordinary eyes. It is when the whole being becomes the heart. The whole body, it's not just the being, the whole body must be made up of the heart and become the heart itself. Then alone she can fill the body with her presence constantly. Every atom, every cell of the body is intended to become her abode. There's no publication of the agenda then. Nobody knew about the yoga of the cells. And yet he understood the root of the yoga of the cells. That every cell, he goes on to say, every atom must become the divine mother's abode. This tapasya. Grace from her flows like light from the sun. Why should I not ask her and tell her what I wanted? <laughs> you see. When I can pray to God for the removal of moral imperfections, why should I not pray for the removal of certain troubles etc. Later on people asked mother, is it alright to ask you to remove my physical disorders? She said, why not? Illness is a falsehood of the body. If you can pray to me for removing moral defects, why cannot you pray to me for removal of illnesses? The mother has confirmed this one of her letters. So he is saying, why should I not ask? Of course, I must take whatever answer comes. That's where the let thy will become, comes. Will be done. The very spirit of prayer or surrender is thy will be done. So that's you pray and then you leave the result in hand. See, so practically he is Explaining, But I am not here praying to an impersonal divine who is everywhere impartially supporting all and sundry good and evil. <laughs> there is a touch of humour also in it. People say, ah, divine is everywhere, it doesn't matter. Be careful. <laughs> it's not an impersonal divine. Nor am I praying to the personal divine who is the God of justice. Who will... Take care of the disciples' karma and good and bad. And here it should be done or there it should not be done. I appeal to one to whose influence I am open through faith. How he is open? Through faith. And who embodies love and grace and therefore response comes. Then he writes, The way is long and tedious. But since one does not walk alone in this yoga, since one learns in his own time to feel the presence, the accompanying light of the mother's grace on the path, no anxiety or fear of failure is possible. So this is the, just in the Gita when Arjuna asked Shri Krishna, what is the difference in what you are telling me and the great tapasvis?" <laughs> he says, <laughs> they, it's his way of saying the baby monkey and the baby cat attitude. He says, yeah, they also try the hard way. Ultimately, they reach to me. So the difference? Difference is, in the other path that I am showing you, I will walk with you. (laughs) You pick and choose. You try to want to do it all alone, alright. But here, I will walk with you. What is wanted is strength. That also, she alone can give it. And that she certainly does as we grow or she herself hastens up our growth. So everything as we grow, faith and strength develop. No, she helps us to grow and faith and strength develops and she gives us as we ask. How he grew into this yoga, how he understood what is the quintessence of his growth into this yoga, how he understood earlier, what he understood later… He describes in one short sentence. To me, this life is not new. Spiritual life. But the new line is thoroughly new. (laughs) Totally different. He, of course, realized that it's a very arduous yoga. And of course, his body must have not been able to bear the intense pressure. I was proceeding along the path of knowledge. You know, we remember how Champaklalji said, When I came here, I had felt here the stress of transformation, but eventually everything took me and the spirit of service held me. So that is, you know, his reminiscence. Here he says, I was proceeding along the path of knowledge, but here I find it is a feeble light of a still higher and all-encompassing way of the mother. Of course it is the path of love, but it is not of the traditional kind. It is quite the reverse of the traditional conception of bhakti marg. So, traditional bhakti marg is from the vital, sublimation of the vital. Even in Sufism, we find a lot of vital sublimating into bhakti. And so we have viraha, milana, Shurabindu speaks of that. Oh, you met me and then, you know, you went away. Divine is not, never goes away. (laughs) Something within me, an insincerity came up. A cloud came up, doubt. Divine doesn't go But in traditional bhakti yoga, which is largely driven by the vital, there is a lot of this kind. There is an externalization of emotions. But here, he is saying the reverse. There is an internalization of the emotions. And not just the emotion, the psychic bhakti, which is ahatuki, unconditionally, he doesn't want the divine for anything, except for the sake of the divine. The mother says, that is the starting point of this yoga. What do you want the yoga for? To get power, to get siddhis, to be called a yogi? All this means you are, to help humanity, it means you are not yet ready for the path. Her very first conversation, 1929. Then she says, is the divine the very reason of your existence? When you want the divine for the sake of the divine, then it can be said that you have entered the path. So as long as we are still hesitating, what will I get? Let's see from Shurabindo's memoranda. we want to sign a memorandum of understanding. I will be in the ashram for so many years, work in a department for six hours a day. Tell me at the end of it, what am I going to get? Maybe he will write nothing. And that nothing is something because to discover you are nothing is a very big discovery. So, <laughs> memorandum of understanding. What am I going to de- get? After all this, the divine writes nothing. Signs. Annal <laughs> thyself that only God may be consent to be nothing that the Lord may be all. So this is the, um, he says that this is the different kind of bhakti. It's not, uh, it doesn't express outwardly in the traditional forms of breaking a nariyal and doing dolvajana and you know, making a show of bhakti from which probably, I don't know, I always feel very deep sympathy for Ganpati ji. And I really, all my prayers and Sympathies with him, how do you bear with? Of course, the Divine Mother has shown us how with love she bears with all of us. (laughs) Probably Ganpati being her child also bears with the Bhaktas, Dholmanjira uh, and those coconut things, you know. Break this coconut, which is the most difficult. (laughs) Formerly, the element of devotion was there in my sadhana. But the love I speak of is different. It will be right to say that this love is not even human emotion that strains and stretches towards the divine. It is not the human emotion trying to, Oh, I must love the mother only and the emotions. No. Something else. Actually, it's a gift of grace. It is an independent universal power of the divine mother which seeks and seeks for embodiment on earth. She gives it as a gift of grace. And when this love awakens, One is done for all lives. Doesn't matter. It's not about the human emotions. It is something far too deep. And then we know his famous hymn. I don't want to spoil it by my my Sanskrit. Ucharan is not so perfect. So I'll read the English translation. Everybody knows about it. Sweet in the heart streams the speech. Mira. Mother Mira. Ever may the crown carry her footstool on high. In joy have I bowed to Mother with body, word, and heart. I adore and adore Mira, Mother of Three Worlds, Transcendent Supreme. To me, the Mother is a flame of white light. And just to quickly complete, since we have a couple of minutes, though this is so beautiful. Some of the sutras that Shorabindo gave him, he noted in his diary, personal instructions. Now imagine what Shorabindo would have instructed him. He instructed three things to him faith in the supramental truth, faith in yourself, in your capacity to achieve, not despairing, oh, I am unfit. People would often ask him, and Shorabindo would say, Who is fit and who is unfit before the grace? So when we say this, make me worthy of thy grace, as if one can ever become worthy of thy grace. Mother corrects that. When somebody said, make me worthy of thy grace, said, who can become worthy of the grace? Grace by its very nature is Ahatuki. And the third faith he asked for is faith in me. Of course, Shirobindo is telling him, the guru whose special help you would receive. Of course, this is 1917, so we can understand. There must be a deep faith, not based on extraneous reasons. Faith that depends upon reasoning or proofs is no faith at all. It is a conclusion. Faith is the soul's witness to something not yet glimpsed by the physical senses. And then the second thing which he tells him is, peace, power and light are the threefold aim of sadhana. At that point of time, it's, these are the things we must aspire for. You know, how will we recognize the spiritual consciousness? Peace, wideness, ananda. Sri spoke of these, that you know, for and, and light. These are the four aspects of the higher consciousness. Peace, wideness, light and ananda. Light, of course, gets into the various forms of inspiration, intuition, revelatory knowledge, outpourings of the um, Vedic, reigns. And of course, peace which is surpasses all understanding, not dependent upon outer circumstances. And the wideness which slowly becomes all-encompassing. And Ananda. Ananda opens the doors to creativity. Then a third sutra is, keep to the quiet and with the strong faith in you, you will surely get over the risk from the astral in your progress towards the supramental. It's very interesting. Here he gives two interesting sutras. One is not to fear is the first step. If you are afraid of these forces, we can't. And then he says, the positive one is to face all whom you encounter as emanations from the one divine whom you are seeking. And indeed it is so. And he speaks of all the dark, vital, astral, all forces. This is exactly what Sri also says. That you have to learn to see the one behind everything. For all forces, all forms are ultimately derived from the divine. They are that essentially, whatever may have been the deviation in the course of manifestation, before a concentrated gaze which goes to the essential truth, of their existence. These forces and forms are not able to stand for long. If we look at their divine truth. The yoga shakti does not work in one part of the being alone. Say the heart or the mind. It may start that way. But as soon as it comes. Its own. The adhar is sufficiently open to its placings. The whole of the being is taken up. And the work proceeds simultaneously on all fronts. This is a unique thing about this yoga which people know it by experience. Otherwise in traditional yoga you have one center opening or in kundalini from below to upward. Here simultaneously and that's why it can be very disorienting. In this yoga the sadhana does not proceed from center to center as in the yoga of the tantra. But all over at the same time. And then one last one. Plenty of notes. And this is from the mother to him. When we accept, we put something concrete. Call it an emanation if you like, that guides and does the sadhana. When he met the mother, she said, we put a part of ourselves into you. So you don't have to worry about it. This comes. And Second sutra she gave, the light must enter into all the corners. Very simple. And the last one is, you will receive help from me, mother's way. And it stops with that. The mother's help does not simply meet the situation. See, normally we are calling for help. How does the mother's help come? In one sentence, he beautifully reveals it. The mother's help does not simply meet the situations as they arise. Oh, there is a problem, mother solves it, mother comes and solves it like a miraculous thing. And then the help stops. The mother's help does not simply meet the situation as they arise, solve the difficulties as they come up, but it is a conscious agent which foresees, forestalls and forearranges the sequence of events. Because this is the supramental by its very nature, it is Trikaldrishsi. So the experiences we go through life, We don't realize even they are a help. That's why she says when difficulties come, take it as a grace. It's it's the fastest means to make us grow. At one place and with that we will close. When somebody asks the mother that when we ask your help in illness, does it come? She says three times it is given. For what? She says it is given to get rid of the illness. Second, to discover what is the inner reason for the illness. And the third, to correct that part from where the problem is originating. And then she says, but people waste it. So that is our gati. And the divine doesn't leave his dharma. He keeps on pouring and pouring his grace and love. So on this beautiful day, we can stop with this contemplation on our love and grace.